Welcome to the EA Forum Podcast. Title, Report on Running a Forecasting Tournament at an EA Retreat. By Hamish Huggard. 20th of February, 2021. Three comments. This post describes a simple forecasting tournament I ran during the 2021 Effective Altruism New Zealand Retreat as an experimental exercise in improving judgment and decision-making. I asked players to predict whether certain events would occur within the span of the retreat, like whether Peter Singer would post to Instagram or whether anyone would lose their hat. This tournament was surprisingly fun and went in many unexpected directions. I would strongly encourage other EA retreats and similar gatherings to run their own prediction tournaments, and I provide some resources to get started. A summary of this post. 1. Motivation for the tournament. 2. Summary of the rules, questions, and scoring system I used. 3. Outcomes of the tournament. Strategies used by players and the scores obtained. 4. Discussion of the stuff I found interesting or surprising and changes I would make to future iterations of the tournament. 5. Conclusion and promises for follow-up posts. 6. Appendix. The outcomes of the prediction questions. Motivation. The art of forecasting is an important part of the effective altruism extended universe. There are at least three reasons for this. First, if you can predict which problems are going to be important in the future, then you can start preparing solutions now. Autoaligned AI, runaway nanotech, engineered pandemics. Secondly, if you can predict the future conditional on your actions, then you can choose interventions which do more good for longer. If we transfer cash to poor countries, will this help them build a self-sustained economy, or we would foster dependence and fragility? Thirdly, in a broad sense, good forecasting requires clear thinking and improves decision-making, which are virtues we want to cultivate in building a wiser society. In other words, cultivating forecasting skills is an act of everyday long-termism. So how do you get better at forecasting? 80,000 Hours recommends practicing via these methods. Get in the habit of making predictions once a year or once a quarter, as does Scott Alexander, Vox, and Open Philanthropy, and tracking your accuracy. You can use Prediction Book for tracking. Join a forecasting competition with the Good Judgment Problem or Meticulous or register to be a forecaster for the Center for Security and Emerging Technologies Forecasting Pilot Project Portel. Take the Good Judgment training course we mentioned above. The 80,000 Hours article also mentions the Calibrate Your Judgment app by clearthinking.org and Open Philanthropy. Although this is not a forecasting exercise per se, as it asks you to make probabilistic judgments about general knowledge and maths questions, rarer than future events. It does provide quick feedback on the calibration of your confidence. A couple of years ago, I got excited about forecasting and signed up to both Medicalus and Good Judgment Open, but I never got around to actually making any predictions. Why? These platforms are pushing the limits of collective forecasting, so the questions they pose tend to be both very difficult to answer and to concern subjects which are abstractly important, but not very personally engaging. For example, here are some recent questions from Medicalus. Will the publicly traded company GameStop GME, reach a 420 
$8.69 stock price by the end of 2021. When will USA's GDP per capita, PPP, fall out of the world top 20? And from Good Judgment Open, will there be a new Prime Minister of Italy before 1st September 2021? And will the United States report more deaths attributed to COVID-19 as of 31 December 2021 than will the European Union? I don't think it's ever going to make sense for me to spend several hours learning the principles of Italian ministerial politics just for the sake of getting one bit of feedback half a year from now. Surely there's an easier way to get my foot in the door of the forecasting game. The Calibrate Your Judgment app is much better in this respect. The questions don't require any special knowledge. Here are some typical examples. The arcade game Pong was released in what year? True or false? 2 plus 0 times 7 squared, all divided by, parenthesis, 6 plus 1, and parenthesis, is greater than 0.23. You get immediate feedback on your answers in the form of a meticulously designed points system. However, you're only practicing one element of forecasting, calibration. You're not going to improve your use of heuristics, Fermi estimates, or creative data gathering from the app. What about yearly or quarterly predictions like Scott Alexander or Vox? These have the advantage that you can make predictions about topics which you are already knowledgeable and invested in, but thinking up enough questions to get good feedback is very time-consuming. Plus, feedback takes a long time to arrive, and following through with scoring can be a challenge. I thought forecasting practice for beginners could be significantly improved if 1. The predictions covered short time horizons for rapid feedback. 2. The questions were predetermined and relatively easy. 3. The questions concerned tangible everyday affairs which predictors are already invested in and don't require developing special knowledge. So during the recent Effective Altruism New Zealand retreat, I had a go at running a simple forecasting tournament to test these improvements. The retreat spanned four days, included 39 people, and featured a range of workshops, seminars, and physical activities, all in lovely weather and right next to the beach. These details will be important context for the prediction questions. The short time span and diverse activities made an ideal stage for the kinds of prediction questions I was after. And, as a bonus, the special context of the retreat spiced the tournament with competition and community. In the following sections, I'll go into the details of how I ran the tournament, how players fared at making predictions, what I learned from the experience, and further work worth pursuing. The headline is that the tournament went better than I expected, and I would encourage other EA retreats or related gatherings to build on the template I used. Tournament details. On the first evening of the retreat, Thursday, I took 30 minutes to introduce the players to the forecasting game and go over a list of 20 prediction questions. The questions are about events which may happen during the retreat, such as, will anyone lose a hat? Players write predicted answers to these questions, along with a confidence score on a sheet of paper. No advanced technology required, which were then handed to me and hidden away. I call this the prediction session of the tournament. On the last evening of the retreat, Saturday, I handed everyone back their prediction sheet and went through each question again, announcing the correct answer. Players scored their predictions using a method detailed below, 
and whoever ended up with the highest score won a $100 donation to the charity of their choice. I call this the evaluation session of the tournament. The questions. For simplicity, all prediction questions had yes-no answers, rather than intervals or distributions. When writing these questions, I loosely aimed for the following qualities. Shenanigan proof. Players should not be able to meddle in prediction outcomes. If I asked, will anyone eat that banana, then I didn't want someone to answer yes and then eat the banana. Transparent outcomes. The outcome of a prediction should be clear to all players during the evaluation session. This means that the outcome should be unambiguous. So, is the temperature above 30 degrees is a much better question than, is it hot? Also, all players should be able to verify the outcome. So, the other day, when no one was looking, did Bob do a backflip? Would not be a good question. Ideally, all players would learn the outcome via a dramatic reveal at scoring time. In case outcomes did end up being ambiguous, I told players that I was the final arbiter on which answer was correct. No background knowledge requirements. If I asked, will I wear a green t-shirt tomorrow, that would give an unfair advantage to everyone who is familiar with me and my t-shirts. Questions should have a range of difficulty, so players will end up with a spread of confidence values and get feedback on their calibration. I didn't do a great job of sticking to these qualities. I spent most of my prep time coming up with the scoring rule and finished writing these questions in a rush before the tournament started. I also thought it would be more important to have a diverse range of interesting questions. Here are the questions I came up with. Feel free to play along at home by retrospectively making your own predictions. 1. Will anyone open a specific first aid kit? 2. During the retreat, will Peter Singer post something new on his Instagram? The most recent posts were 4, 5, and 7 weeks ago. 3. Will a nuclear war begin during the retreat? 4. Will exactly one person lose their hat during the retreat? 5. According to my Fitbit, will I have taken at least 10,000 steps on a Friday? Below are my step counts from the previous week. And it has a picture of steps. And it seems like he took about 15,000 steps on Friday, 5,000 steps on Saturday, about 5,000 steps on Sunday, about 12,000 steps on Monday, 12,000 steps on Tuesday, then 5,000 on Wednesday, and 12,000 again on Thursday. 6. During the retreat, will a new episode of the 80,000 Hours podcast be released? Below are the most recent episodes. So, it has a picture of the most recent episodes of the 80,000 Hours podcast, number 89, released on December, December 17th, 2020, number 88, released on December 3rd, 2020, and a team chat released on November 12th, 2020. 7. Will Catherine be on the winning team of Wits and Wagers, an annual game of devising and betting on point estimates? Catherine had been in the winning team for the last three years. On Saturday, or 8, on Saturday, will active COVID cases in New Zealand exceed 50? Below is a table and chart of the active cases from the New Zealand Ministry of Health website. As shown, at the time of the prediction session, we had 62 active cases. So, below it shows a chart with the number of active cases 
the confirmed, I'll read the uh, row label, and then the column label, and then the, the number in that part of the table. So confirmed change in last 48 hours is minus 15. Confirmed total at present is 62. And confirmed total since first New Zealand case is 1,872. The probable change in last 48 hours is zero. The probable total at present is also zero. And the, prob and the probable total since first New Zealand case is 356. And then the total change in last 48 hours is minus 15. The total, uh, total at present is 62. And the total, total since first New Zealand case is 2,228. And then below that, uh, it's a graph labeled daily confirmed and probable cases with the date of the report on the x-axis and the number of cases on the y-axis, which goes from 0 to 100, and the date goes from March to January. There's a large uptick in April, and then virtually nothing until September which, uh, with a smaller uptick, and um, then again it goes down and back up between October and November, and then it hovers around like 15 maybe? Uh, until the present. 9. On Saturday, will active COVID cases in New Zealand exceed 75? 10. On Saturday, will active COVID cases in New Zealand exceed 100? 11. Will at least two people have gotten visibly sunburnt by the time we do scoring? 12. Will at least three people attend morning yoga on Saturday? 13. Will anyone end up kayaking to the island? There was a specific island which some people had already planned to kayak to. 14. When we do scoring, I will pick two random people and ask them if they've talked to each other. Will they both say yes? 15. Will you go on more than two swims? 16. Will Ivan have taken more than 50 photos between getting on the boat and scoring? Ivan was one of the retreat organizers. 17. Will Ivan have taken more than 100 photos between getting on the boat and scoring? 18. Will Ivan have taken more than 150 photos between getting on the boat and scoring? 19. Will Ivan have taken more than 200 photos between getting on the boat and scoring? 20. When we do scoring, will the highest score from all the previous questions be greater than 80? A few of these questions were subject to last-minute changes. Question 1 was originally just, will anyone require first aid? But this was too vague. Question 2 originally asked if the highest score would be above 200, until someone pointed out that this was impossible. Scoring system. So how do you evaluate player predictions? Spencer Greenberg has written the canonical paper on designing scoring rules to give intuitive feedback. He asserts a user-friendly scoring rule should have these properties. Higher is better. You should aim to maximize points. Upper bound. You can't gain infinite points by being 100% confident and being right. Lower bound. You can't lose infinite points by being 100% confident and being wrong. Positive is good. Negative is bad. You only gain points by making a correct prediction. You only lose points by making an incorrect prediction. Confidence is good when correct bad when incorrect. You get more points for being 99% confident and right 
than 66% confident and right. Total uncertainty should give zero points. Answering with 50% confidence should be equivalent to passing and be worth zero points for either a win or a loss. Continuity. A small change in confidence should result in a small change in points. A scoring rule should also be proper, meaning that if you report your confidences honestly, you will receive the most points in expectation. That is, the scoring rule isn't gameable. With these principles, Greenberg concluded that this is the most user-friendly scoring rule. It has a complex mathematical equation, where s of p and c is equal to uh, s max divided by log of p max minus log of p rand times either log of p minus log of p rand if the if they're correct, i.e. if c equals 1, and log of 1 minus p minus log of 1 minus p rand if incorrect, i.e. c equals 0, where p is the confidence assigned to a prediction, p for probability, and c is the correctness of the prediction, c equals 0 for incorrect, and c equals 1 for correct. Also, p max is the maximum confidence players are allowed to assign, P rand is the probability, which would be assigned if the outcome were chosen randomly, and S max is the upper bound on scores from a single prediction. This is a great scoring rule for a web app. However, at the retreat, I couldn't guarantee everyone would have a computer, so I couldn't use any maths which couldn't be computed by hand. Even if I could guarantee everyone have a computer, I probably wouldn't want people googling helpful information instead of talking to each other. So instead, I decided to use a scoring table. People are restricted to a small number of confidences with pre-computed points for being correct or incorrect. My first thought was to restrict confidences to tens, 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%, 90%, 100%. Confidences below 50% are expressed by changing a yes answer to a no answer. Because good Bayesians are never 100% confident, I changed the highest confidence to 99%. This still seemed like more gradations than a novice forecaster needed. I further narrowed it to 50%, no idea, 60%, two-thirds, or slight suspicion that it is correct, 80%, four-fifths, or good chance that the, that the prediction is correct, and 99%, near certainty, that prediction is correct. I then computed the logarithmic scores for these confidence values. Logarithmic scoring is a proper scoring rule, where points deducted are equal to the log of the probability assigned to the outcome. In logarithmic scoring, you lose points for anything except 100% confidence in the right answer. So if I said that someone would lose the, their hat with 80% confidence and was right, I would get log of 0.8 equals minus 0.01 points. And if I was wrong, I would get log of 1 minus 0.8 equals log of 0.2 equals minus 0.70 points. Logarithmic scoring is the most natural scoring rule. Among other properties, it deducts points equal to the number of bits of surprisal of an outcome for a forecaster. I needed the pre-computed scores to be quickly added, so I rounded them to integers. A proper scoring rule, which is linearly scaled, multiplied by something and a constant added, is still a proper scoring rule, so to make the scores more memorable and compliant with Green's criteria, 
I played around with linear scaling in a spreadsheet until I came up with the following scoring table. Uh, same deal as before, I will, uh, it's a table, same deal as before, I will read the row and then the column. So the rows are, so correct and 50% confidence is plus zero, correct and 60% confidence is plus three, correct and 80% confidence is plus seven, and correct and 10 and 99% confidence is plus 10. Incorrect and 50% confidence is minus 0. Incorrect and 60% confidence is minus 3. Incorrect and 80% confidence is minus 14. And incorrect and 99% confidence is minus 60. Players now have a scoring system they can write at the top of their prediction sheet and use to quickly calculate final scores in the evaluation session. As a bonus, the transparency of the scoring system means that players can better understand the stakes of high confidence. Am I really prepared to risk losing 60 points on this question? Complicated scoring rule formula are no longer a barrier to mathematically weak forecasters. Although I was very pleased with this scoring rule when I thought of it, it does have a serious problem. The boundaries where a rational points maximizer should switch from one confidence to another are unintuitive. Suppose your true confidence is 91%. Routing this to the nearest allowed confidence brings you to 99%, so that should be your assigned confidence, right? Wrong. When you do the expected score calculations, you find that for true confidence of anywhere between 73.3% and 93.9%, the best strategy is to report 80% confidence. I've since figured out a better way to do scoring, which I'll discuss in a future post. This has been the EA Forum Podcast, read by me, Garrett Baker. Join us tomorrow for part two of Report on Running a Forecasting Tournament at an EA Retreat by Hamish Hogard.